the MLS playoffs are in full swing, and we already have plenty of surprises. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivan Skolarsap. What's hanging, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. It's uh, 2, a, 2 10 a.m. Eastern time on, uh, is it Tuesday morning? I guess it's Tuesday morning. Uh, and we're ready to rock. We got plenty to talk about. We uh, we delayed the show a bit. We didn't we didn't record on our usual Sunday night. Um, we gave we gave everyone a chance to reflect on the playoffs. But now we're back. We're ready, and there's plenty to talk about. But before we get to that, I have a bit of an announcement to make. I don't know if I th- you know what it's going to be, right? I no, I actually I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> well, I, I well I well I hinted at it. At the end of the last show, and for those those of you who listened to the end to the full show last time, you're probably asking, so what's this surprise that's coming on Monday? You know, I don't know what it is. Uh, basically, the announcement is that we have officially uh, changed the site, uh, soccerbibles.net. Its new name is now sbisoccer.com. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been in the works for a long time. Uh, the name changed, and uh, you know, in case you did, if if you went to the site on Monday, you probably you might have noticed that that when when you got to the site, the URL was different, and we are now sbisoccer.com, and you know, just to give an idea of, of why we've made the change. I mean, it, it's obviously SBI it, it, in its in its uh, previous form as, as soccerbibes.net was launched way back in 2006, actually 2008, and. Uh, you know, it was just time for a change and time for uh, a chance to kind of give it a new identity uh, while still holding on to, to, to some of the history of the site. And also a chance to just let people know that it's, you know, we, we, we've we've evolved as a site. And obviously mm-hmm. it's not just me. When it started, the site started out, uh, it was just me writing everything. And obviously we've evolved and, and we have a large staff of writers now. And it's a, it's a good chance for people to kind of identify it as a site that's, that's a collective and not necessarily... Mm-hmm. Just about me, and also it's a .com, which I think helps, as opposed to a .net. Uh, thankfully, no one grabbed sbisoccer.com. We, you know, it's been it's, wait really. As you, at, <laughs> I feel yeah. like I feel like that'd be taken. Well, I took it. I grabbed it a few years ago, actually. I mean, I'm sure as as Garrett knows, it's it's a name that I've had my eye on for a long time now, and it's just been a matter of getting it off the ground and and getting getting the ball rolling on that. Um, at, when we did this, uh, the logo redesign that we did, it was done with that in mind. So if you'll notice, the logo that we have now just says SBI, and I think a lot of people know us, know, knew uh, the site as SBI already. So it's not that dramatic a change for for a lot of people, but um, it, it, it's it's not a huge thing, but it's it's something small, and I think it's something it's a good it's a good thing because I think it's going to allow us to showcase uh, the great staff of writers that we have. Yes, how come I'm not a staff writer anymore? Well, you're 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 not up. To, you're, you're, it's not that's not your strength. Let's just put it that way. We, we're still trying to figure out what that is, but it's not right. No, <laughs> you suck. Uh, yes. Well, obviously, yes. I did see the changes. Um, I approve. So, I mean, I wish Garrett was in there. I think it should be, but I guess <laughs> well, I guess the URL is fine. You're 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 uh you're executive editor of of S, uh, of SBI Soccer Podcasts. Th- thanks, the- Iris. I appreciate that. Is, that, is, is executive good? That's good, right? I'm thinking of like TV show wise. Like you want to be executive? That's the top guy, right? You are the you're you're the guy behind the guy. <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I guess we're uh, bringing it back to the show. Uh, you know, you had a busy weekend yourself. We had MLS playoffs first leg. They're now in the books. Plenty of surprises, as we mentioned, Ivis. Uh, kind of a little, a few shocking ones. Uh, you went to the New York Red Bulls game, and they defeated D.C. United 2-0, to carrying a lot of momentum 
into this match. And, uh, I mean, look, for New York to put DC on the ropes, huge victory for them. Uh, Ivis, I mean, you wrote about it that they got rid of some of their demons, but, uh, you know, some changes paid off for Mike Petke. And, uh, I mean, New York going into that second leg against DC, I mean, couldn't have happened in a better way for them. Right. I mean, it, I got to say, it's not, a, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a shock that they won this game, but just the way they played and the way they outplayed DC United was definitely a bit of a shock to me. Um, you know, not, nothing against the Red Bulls, but DC has been a pretty solid team all year. And I just don't think they, after the first 15 minutes, I think they were just dominated. And, and for the Red Bulls, credit to the Red Bulls, credit to my Pecky. He made the change we talked about in the last show. We talked about the possibility of him benching Tim Cahill and mm-hmm. starting Peggy, Peggy Luyandula, and he did it, and the and the move paid off uh, handsomely. It paid off great. Luyandula continuing his excellent form as a playmaker, uh, he was he was big for them. Uh, but obviously, the star of the show was Terry Henry turning back the clock. And you know when he's playing the way he's playing now, he's just really uh, he's impossible to deal with. There, there's a cup. There's only a couple guys in MLS that when they're absolutely on their game, you just can't deal with them. Uh, Henry's one. Robbie Keane's one. Mm-hmm. You, you could argue Obafemi Martin's one. But, I mean, it, it, Terry Henry, he was just, just magical for them. And uh, it was tough for D.C., obviously, to lose Sean Franklin to an injury. He he, he had a bit of a uh, – actually, was it an injury or was it an illness? He, he he was out of the lineup. So you had to go with uh, Chris Corbett right back. And, you know, I think that, that was obviously tough. Not that Franklin could deal with Henry either. Henry, when Henry's on, I don't know of anyone in the league that can deal with him. But uh, Henry was on point. But he was not alone. You had Henry. You had Louis Ndula. The the Alexander McCarty uh, central midfield stood up really well, uh, really across the field. I can't think of anyone on the Red Bulls who didn't bring it on the day. And uh, you know, credit to them. Now they're in control. Um, and and another demon exercise. I, I don't think they've ever had a, a win against DC United in the playoffs. I can't remember the last time they had a multi goal win uh, in the playoffs. I think you got to go back to 2000 for that. Uh, if I if I remember correctly. Um, and now you know they go to RFK and and. For the first time now, since they've exercised so many of these demons, you, you actually think they could uh, d- pull off another one, which would be to beat DC in the playoffs for the very first time. And right now, it feels like they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you're exactly right. I mean, it just seems that, I mean, you go back to New York's game against Sporting Kansas City. I mean, dominant performance by them, even though it was 2-1. I, I mean, uh, Louis Dola came off the bench, Ivis, and, and created the chances for New York. And when you watch them play, I mean, everything just seems to be clicking for them. You also mentioned... Chris Cor, uh, Chris Corb, excuse me. Uh, you know he fell asleep on that goal that Leonula scored. So I mean, a little bit of a change right there. But I mean, moving forward, I guess if you're DC United, you know it just seemed kind of just not your night. I mean, your, your back line didn't play that well. Midfield wasn't there. You know, you're kind of like looking around if you're DC United player, kind of scratching your head, kind of wondering what happened. Um, I mean, what do they need to do now going forward to be able to to you know put up a chance against uh, New York? It was an all around flat performance, right? I mean, not not to single anyone out. There were a lot of people who didn't didn't really get the job done on the night. Um, but I got to say, Eddie Johnson, uh, he just doesn't, it doesn't feel like a good fit right now between him and that group. And obviously we've talked about this in the past um, where, you know, when Luis Silva got hurt, Eddie Johnson was going to have to step in and they, and they were going to miss a little bit of chemistry. And I feel like that's what they've done here. They, they miss Luis Silva and, and the connections that he provides in the middle and and Espindola and Johnson, they just don't seem to work well together. And 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 I had some curious questions about uh, whether or not they're going to be able to do this in the second leg. Uh, obviously, you'll be at home. You'll have the home crowd in front of you, mm-hmm. uh, urging you on, and they should have some momentum on that regard. But there, I think that Luis Silva injury is really hurting them um, because 
Fabian Espindola has been their best player. And part of the reason he's been able to play so well is because Luis Silva has been the perfect player to kind of connect him and the attack together. But now that he's out and you have Eddie Johnson, who is another kind of player that you need to feed the ball to, a guy who who kind of demands, who, who needs the ball. And now when you have him needing the ball, you have Espindola needing the ball. Not only is that one more player that is, you know, you kind of have to try to get the ball to, but one more player who isn't getting uh, the main guy the ball. So without that, I think they're going to be in trouble. I really do. Mm-hmm. And even and and they can make some moves. Chris Rolfe could get could, could get plugged in. Uh, ben Olsen's got big question, big, big big decisions to make here. Uh, does he sit Eddie Johnson? Does he go with Chris Rolfe uh, and, and really try to feed Espindola and really try to make Espindola the target? of the DC attack and, uh, and the focal point of the DC attack. Um, I just don't think Eddie Johnson can, can, can be, uh, be a guy who is, who's secondary, who, who's, who, who's going to help feed Fabian Espindola. I think Chris Roth is that type of guy. So I think you could see that decision. You could see that move and, and, and no, I don't think anyone could really blame Ben Olsen if he does that. No. And, uh, I mean, with, with just the way Eddie Johnson's been all year, it's just, it's, it's been up and down for him. Uh, you know, you got to wonder though. I mean, how much pressure is going to be on DC in this match? Obviously, yes, they are home, but I mean, New York's going to come out, and, and DC in the back of their mind, they had to be thinking, man, if New York gets one goal, that's it. That's going to be the nail in the coffin. I mean, how? I mean, you got to wonder, man. I mean, how much pressure is DC going to have? Where I mean, you know, how long is it going to take for them, Ivis, to you know take it up to that next level, which will open up the field? It's, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of game plan they have. Well, I'm more, I'm more interested to see how the Red Bulls play it because I think obviously DC is going to come out. Uh, come out firing. They're going to come out looking to get an early goal. They're going to look to put the pressure on. But now, if you're the Red Bulls, are you going to sit back and absorb that and look to kind of counter them? Uh, look to counter them on uh, on that on those attacks early on, or are you going to really try to take it to them from the beginning to get that early goal? Um, that that's going to be the big question for the Red Bulls. And are are you going to be patient? You're going to sit back. Um, so it, that's going to make for an interesting first 15, 20 minutes. Do, 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 does Terry Henry, do, do, do he and Bradley Wright Phillips really try to get that early goal? Because if they score, this one's over. I mean, if they if they get the first goal, all of a sudden you're talking about needing uh, – if, if, they, if they score uh, and, you're, uh, and you're DC, you need four goals to win. You need four goals to win um, because then it's 1-0, 3-0 on aggregate and the away goal. So I think for me, if it's me and, me, and look, I'm not the coach. Um, it's easy for me to say because I don't have the pressure on me. But if I'm the Red Bulls, man, I'm looking. For, I, I, I really think about trying to go at them in the beginning of this game and, and get that early goal because if if you if you get that early goal, the, 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 that's it. That's the dagger. Um, and then that's obvious. It's easier. It's easy to say that from here, from behind the microphone, and not from the sideline. But I think it wouldn't shock me at all if that's what they decided to do. Uh, well, that next game is going to be Saturday, November 8th. I believe it is a 2.30 kickoff on the East Coast and 11.30 on the West Coast. Daylight savings changed, Davis, and Arizona, we don't recognize it. So I'm still trying to trying to learn my times here again. <laughs> oh, man, that explains so much. Because I think we're only two hours apart now. Well, right, I told you, it's right now it's 2.21 yes. a.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that I don't know what your it's twelve twenty three. So yes, it's two hours. So there you go. Um, yes, yeah, so that will be on Saturday, November eighth. Ivis, uh, Mister uh, Trail Leader of the bandwagon for Columbus Crew. I mean, what happened this weekend? New England smoked them. Well, hey, 
I'd just like to point out in the last show, I said New England would win the series. I mean, just to make it clear. And 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 it's funny because I listened back to the to the show and and uh, the point that I did make at that time was uh, the crew. They they're still a young team and they have a lot of guys who haven't been in the playoffs before. And this series is probably going to be that kind of series where they learn from, where they get that experience that you need uh, to kind of evolve into a real title contender. Uh, no, it's tough to just wake up and you're a champion. You know, you have to kind of go through your steps of making the playoffs, advancing in the playoffs, having success in the playoffs. But you got to take your lumps in the playoffs too. And that was this kind of game for them. Uh, credit to New England; they just they're rolling right now. New yep. England's playing with a lot of confidence, and it goes. And you and, and Charlie Davis, uh, obviously, he was outstanding. But Charlie Davis mentioned it after the match that you know what that experience that New England gained in the playoffs last year in playing Sporting Kansas City and pushing Sporting Kansas City to the brink. I mean, that comes in handy. That gives you confidence when you've been there already, when you've been in the battles, in the playoff battles, in the playoff atmosphere. They have been through it already, and it showed. It showed with the confidence that they had from beginning beginning to end, and now they're in complete control of the series. Uh, I just don't see Columbus getting off the mat. I mean, they, I'm sure they'll make it a game, and I'm sure they'll – They'll play. They'll play a relaxed game because they, they have nothing to lose at this point. So it'll be. I think it'll it'll be a better game. And I don't think they're just going to lay down and get blown out in the second leg. But you know, New England, the way they're playing right now, uh, it's hard not to see them holding on to this lead. And look, looking at this game, obviously Charlie Davis, the star, a guy who has been through so much, uh, and for him to kind of step up here. Uh, and show us flashes of the old Charlie Davies was had to bring a smile to your face. If, uh, basically, anybody, any American soccer fan who's not a Columbus Crew fan had to have a smile on their face uh, seeing that. Because we're talking about one of the nicest guys in the sport, uh, a guy who, who's been through so much. And, and for him to kind of get back in there, show what he can do, show that he can still... Uh, still bring it in the big in the big moment. I mean, I think that was huge. Lee Wynn, uh, let's yeah, uh, you know, unbelievable. I mean, he just keeps doing it. He just keeps doing it. And look, playoff games me don't mean anything for the MVP award because the MVP award is a regular season award. But for those of you who haven't been following New England this year, that is the thing. That's the kind of thing he's been doing all year. He's he just he's just been be, been able to carry the, the revs attack when no one else has been able to do it. He's been a consistent contributor, and he's done it again. And and, and you have to say it. Everyone's a lot of people, and especially in New England, have been saying it for months. But I think every, I think the, the the chorus is growing for not only for him being a serious MVP candidate, but for him for him to be somebody that Jurgen Klinsmann has to call up. Uh, sooner than later. I've been saying January for the longest time, but I mean, at this point, if you're Klinsman, do you want to look at him in November? Um, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but I think you're going to have to look at Lee Wynn at some point soon because the guy is absolutely on fire. Uh, just, after watching this game, it's just, and I agree with you, it's it's just seeing Lee Wynn's performance, and I'm almost thinking, like, man, Lee Wynn, I'm, I'm feeling Lee Wynn should be more MVP, even though I've been going with, you know, Robbie Keane in the season that he's he's had. It's just unbelievable for for what he's done, but uh, the one thing that kind of did surprise me in this game was was yes, New England did go up two goals, you know, at one point in this game. But you know, Columbus Ivis just kind of fell apart, and the game was so wide open. New England took advantage of that. Yes, I mean, New Columbus did get a goal late in the match, which did make it you know four two instead of four one. But I, Ivis, I mean, it just seems so interesting just how easily like just Columbus just melted down against New England this past weekend. Well, you know what? When it boils down to it. 
Columbus has some weaknesses, some very clear weaknesses. Number number one, obviously, is up top, Aaron Schoenfeld. The guy, like, you know, not to kill him too much, but you know, he, if you're looking at target strikers in this league, he's probably the lowest rated one. He's not. He's not someone who's a caliber of a starter. Now, it's not his fault they gave up four goals. Obviously, the the bit, the worst player on the day was Tyson Wall, a guy who credit to him has been really solid for the crew all the way in their run up to close out the season. Um, as a replacement for Gio Gonzalez, he stepped in and he's been really solid for them. Now, in this game, he was absolutely atrocious. He had a hand in multiple goals uh, that, that he was beaten in, he, or, or he just didn't, didn't make the play he needed to make. Um, and I said it when they, when, they, when they sold Gio Gonzalez. Look, they're going to miss Gio Gonzalez. When, when, you give up, when, you, when you sell a player like Gio Gonzalez, you just don't replace him. And obviously, later in the year, they went and bought, they went and signed uh, Emmanuel Pogatetz. And you know he's someone with the with the kind of pedigree that you could see as a long term as an eventual replacement. But Tyson Wall had been playing so well that you you, you could understand why Greg Berhalter didn't want to make the move. But after that first leg, uh, and just a shocking game that he had, it kind of just reminded us, like, yeah, you know, Tyson Wall is not the long term solution there. Uh, whether it's Bogutets next year or whether they go get someone else, you know, they if they want to be an ML, a legitimate top flight contender, uh, a top flight MLS Cup contender, you need someone. Uh, better as a partner to Michael Parker's in central defense, and and you know Tyson Wall, uh, you know he's been a he's been a reserve in MLS for a long time, and he took his opportunity in the regular season and played well. But I think he was exposed in this game, and and that really cost the crew. And look, not not to put it all on him either, because there weren't there weren't that many good performances overall as a team from them. I mean, for me, other than Tony Chani, who I thought really was was a beast for them, I thought Tony Chani when everything was going wrong there. I thought Tony Chani was a guy who was still bringing it and was still playing and was still trying to do his best to keep his team in the game. But beyond him, I mean, yeah, yeah you know, I don't think Will Trapp necessarily had a good game. Uh, I don't think the rest of the midfield, you know, played played all that great. Uh, I mean, guys like, well, Merrim obviously scored a goal. Uh, but overall, as far as a full game, I thought him and Ethan Finley uh, weren't, didn't have as much of an impact as you'd like to see from those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't all on Tyson Wall, but he was a big part of it, uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, just just a poor performance from Columbus. I mean, you expect a little better from them, but uh, I, I just you know I just I don't know if this match is enough to say. But I mean, looking at this, I mean, is New England now the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? I don't know, man. It's tough. I mean, they look great, but the, what about the Red Bulls? I mean, the Red Bulls uh, took care of the champions. They took care of KC. And now they just uh, they outplayed DC United. They dominated DC United. So the way both te- but the way New England and the Red Bulls are both playing, mm-hmm. uh, it's looking like that's going to be the matchup. And if it is, it, that wouldn't be too bad a matchup at all. Um, but yes, the Revs, the way they, they the way they've come into the playoffs with momentum, and the way they looked in that first leg. Right now, you have to say they're looking like the favorites in the East, but it's not that wide a margin. Uh, moving over to the, uh, I'm sorry, Ivis. This game, the next leg, will be played on Sunday, November 9th. Moving over to the Western Conference, we all saw Lake and LA Galaxy play to a scoreless draw. A few things from this one, uh, Ivis. If you were all Salt Lake, get to be kicking yourself for not being able to score in this one when you had multiple chances. And then on the other hand, if you're LA Galaxy, I mean, you got to be kissing Pinedo, and you know, for, I mean, you got to be pretty much doing whatever you want for him for the next 48 hours for the performance that he had in this match. And then even with this. Uh, going back to LA in the second leg, I, it's still wide open, Ivis, for both teams. It is, it is. Um, yeah, Pinedo stepped up really big. 
Uh, it was an ugly game. There's no other way to say it. Uh, I think it was obviously you had cold, uh, you had windy conditions, you had cold conditions. Uh, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't necessarily the greatest environment to have have like the beautiful game be played. Uh, but it wasn't really all about the the environment as much as the Galaxy really tried to make it about that. RSL had their chances. Um, Pinedo stepped up, made some big saves. The officiating in the game obviously was a question mark. There were some blown calls, clearly blown calls. I know RSL is going to point to several uh, decisions and say, oh, we were robbed. Uh, I know there was the one where Jao Plata got in behind the defense and was ruled offsides even though he wasn't. We don't know what happens on that play. We can't assume that he finishes the chance. Um, but it, it looked like it was a blown call. Now, if if, if I, for me, the biggest blown call of the day was the Galaxy with Jassy Zardes. Uh, gets in on goal, Landon Donovan springs him, and just Zardes converts the chance. He scores the goal, but is ruled offside incorrectly. And for me, that's a bigger call than any that was blown for RSL because a he missed he he actually converts the chance, so we know he would have converted it. Um, B uh, he it's an away goal. You cost uh, LA it was cost an away goal. That's huge for them. Now here's here's what I I will say, and I find this I found this interesting after the game were, were some of the reactions to the result. Because there seemed to be some uh, debate and some conflict um, about who was be- who was better off coming out of this game, and uh, you know there, you had some people who said, "Oh, the Galaxy, uh, you know, they, they, the the results uh, favors them," and then you had some people who said the the result favored RSL, and it definitely seemed to be kind of this this uh, divide uh, on the topic. Now, for me, the way I look at it is this. If you're talking about two equal teams, two teams that coming in were equal and were considered equal and had the same odds to win this series, um, then yes, RSL, uh, the result is, is good for them because they didn't give up any away goals, right? So from that standpoint, yes, that that's good for them. But for me, the thing is, LA was the favorite coming into this series. LA was the better team coming into this series. They are still that team. So... They did not lose. So if the best team coming into the series didn't lose the away leg, then they are still in control. And I, I think people who think that RSL, if that RSL is in control now, no, they're not in control. RSL was it a good result for them? It was. It was an okay result. It was an okay result from the away goal standpoint. But the Galaxy are the Galaxy. They are a team that you expect to win at home. And I know, yes, RSL beat them at home in the opener 100 years ago when Nick Romando played the best game of the year. Yes, we get that. <laughs> but the Galaxy are the Galaxy. And, and it, it just it's just funny to me that people are acting like these are the, that these teams were on equal footing coming in, and they just weren't. They just were not. The Galaxy were a better team during the regular season. So they haven't lost that. And I know you can point to the, the end of the season of the last few weeks and say, hey, the Galaxy haven't been in the best form. So maybe they're vulnerable. So... Arcel has absolutely has a chance to win this series, no doubt about it. But for me, if you're the Galaxy, you're going back home, and you have to just win to get through. My, I'm putting my money on the Galaxy. I, if you if you want to put your money on Arcel, you can go right ahead. It's not a terrible bet, but I'm putting my money on the Galaxy and Robbie Keane and and Pinedo and the defense that they're they're going to get the job done in LA. Oh, I, I, no, I, I and I, I see I, I see this between both teams. As just it was, it was a tough battle, and then moving on to the second match, and it's regardless of either who's home or who's away. Because I mean, you look at the performances of these two teams throughout the season; they were they were not high scoring affairs. I think RSL won one zero one time, LA won one zero, and I think the other one was a one one draw. So these teams don't score a lot of goals. 
Uh, and I and I agree with you. It's just for Real Salt Lake. I mean, you had to be you know kind of you know kicking yourself. I mean, you didn't score a goal in this match, but I mean, on the other hand, Ivis, if RSL does get a goal, I mean, that away goal thing is huge, especially for a match like this. Right, no doubt about it, and that's why the result is was still a good one for RSL, but it does not give them control because I'm sorry, the Galaxy at home. They're really, really tough, and 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 I'm not gonna I'm not gonna think I'm not gonna factor in a game from March in my fact in my just you know looking at this game uh, and saying oh RSL just because they won there in March they can go there and win again um, I don't I really don't see it that way I think look it's gonna be a great second leg it it, it, it could RSL has as good a chance as any team in uh, any of the teams uh, in the semi in the conference semifinals of uh, beating the higher seed. No doubt about it. But for me, L.A. is still the pick because, you know what, I think the conditions are going to obviously be a lot better. The conditions are going to be a lot more conducive uh, to the Galaxy and the way they want to play. It wasn't a pretty game for the Galaxy by any means, but the conditions weren't all that great. Uh, and even with that, they should have probably had an away goal. They probably, the Jossie's artist goal should have stood. Um, and and obviously that was, that was not allowed. But RSL... Uh, you know, they're a good team. They're going to go there. They're going to go in there confident. They're a veteran group, so you always have to give them a chance, right? But for me, mm-hmm. the Galaxy at home with everything on the line, a group of guys that have been through so many big games in the past, they're going to, I just think they're going to get the job done. I think Robbie Keane's going to step it up. I think Landon Donovan needs to step up. Obviously, if he doesn't step it up, this is his last game, right? This is Landon, Landon Donovan's last game. He hasn't had a good game uh, since after his uh, national team send-off, really. I mean, when you look at it, he hasn't had a good game since then. So mm, that's uh, they, they need him to step up. They need him to step up and have one of his classic Landon Donovan signature playoff performances. Uh, and then he's Zardis, obviously. They need Zardis. And Zardis was there. He was ready. He scored. He had the opportunity. He scored the goal, but it was taken away. Um, it's, a great, it's a great match. I can't, I can't wait to see it. And, uh, but, yeah, my, I, I think my money's still got to be on the Galaxy. <sighs> See, I'll put my money on RSL only because of the away goal. <laughs> only because the money came from them already. Only so because gotta... of the away goal, Ivis. That just puts so much pressure on LA. I, but the I... pressure's on LA regardless, though. Even if it were one-one, like it, like I'm, I, I just, I just think there's enough pressure on LA's a multiple MLS Cup champion. They have, they have the nucleus of a team that's won multiple MLS Cups. What pressure? You know what I mean? Like they, 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 they. You think Robbie Keane is losing sleep? Think you know what I mean? Like it, it, no, it's no, a big. I'm, not, game. I'm talking right now. I'm just talking in the game. Yeah, I'm, not ta- I'm not talking. Pressure, I'm not talking. He's going to go to sleep tonight thinking, "Oh my god, oh my god." I, he's not doing that. Come on. Yeah, but then why even talk about pressure when you're talking about a veteran team? If you're talking about a young team, I get that. If you're talking about the you know the Columbus Crew or, or a team that's that has you know that has a lot of guys who who have never been in the playoffs, then yes, pressure is a tangible thing. But when you talk about guys, like look at look at LA's lineup. I mean, all these guys have been in big moments. I mean, even Jaime Pinedo, who wasn't part of the MLS Cup teams, here's a guy who's played in Gold Cups and in, in, in World Cup qualifiers. And I mean, he, he, all these guys. I mean, you could say Zardis. Is Zardis going to be up to it for the pressure of of this game, uh, an elimination game? That yes, for one guy, absolutely. But for the rest, I'm I don't see it. I think Omar Gonzalez. I think AJ Del Garza, Landon Donovan, Juninho, all the. Robbie Rogers, all these guys have been through it before, and I think for that reason, they're going to step up. Uh, well, the other match in the Western Conference, FC Dallas, Seattle Sounders, played to a 1-1 draw. Uh, I was at times it looked like FC Dallas was going to overtake the match, but I mean, they, they couldn't figure out what they want to do in this match. I mean, are they a counterattacking team? Are they a build-up team? 
Um, Seattle, you know, comes away with a big away goal that that's huge for them. Uh, you know, just back and forth game. I mean, really, both teams just failed to take advantage of the opportunity. It felt like. Yeah, but I mean, I think Seattle comes away pretty happy, right? I mean, they 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 they're even and they're going back home uh, to a place that they're so tough to deal with. Um, FC Dallas, I think, missed an opportunity, no doubt about it. Uh, they 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 should have come away with an advantage, mm-hmm. and and they didn't. Uh, obviously, credit to Stephen Fry on that save late in the game to deny Fabian Castillo. Yeah. Um, I think I think FC Dallas could surely have used Mauro Diaz, yes. who was suspended. Uh, I think they needed his creativity, and and they'll need his creativity in the second leg. No doubt, no doubt about it. You really want to uh, push Seattle and, and test their midfield and keep their their midfield honest. And um, I think with him back, they'll have a chance. But it's tough, man. Going to Seattle and winning, it's it's just I I don't see it. I really don't. Uh, their best bet is to to you know if they get out of there with a multi goal draw that you know gives them. Uh, the away goals, if they can pull a 2-2 or something like that. And that might sound impossible, but look, Seattle's defense, as, as we've said before, as much as they are the they're, they were the top team in the league in the regular season, their defense was not, by no means unstoppable. Their defense has, had, has surrendered multiple goals at home before uh, a few a few times. So if you're FC Dallas, you can take solace in that. You can take solace in knowing that Mauro Diaz will be back mm-hmm. uh, and that you created chances the first time around. But for me, man, I think the, I think Seattle's going to overwhelm them. I think, again, and this is now back to this point about pressure and about young teams. This team, the FC Dallas team, is a young team. And it's a lot easier to step up, to step on the field in the playoffs at home when you have the crowd behind you and the crowd supporting you and, and you feel comfortable playing in that environment. But now these kids are going to Seattle. These kids are going to go play in front of whatever 40, 50, 60, 40, 50,000 or however many fans they're going to uh, pack in a Century and uh, CenturyLink field on Sunday. Um, they have to face that. And that's a whole different environment. And if you want to talk about pressure, that is that is a factor for this FC Dallas team because they got a lot of young guys that are going to be facing that and experiencing that for the first time. So I think from that standpoint, it's going to be really mm-hmm. tough to stop Seattle. Well, if you're FC Dallas, and I think you're exactly right. I mean, that was the one thing that they missed in the match was that creativity uh, in the attacking third because there were times when, you know, Michelle would bring up the ball and sometimes it was slow and they'd pass it around and they could never determine if they wanted to get outside. You had players kind of making overlapping runs at the same time. Then there were other times when they're wide open. You saw it at the very end of the game when Castillo broke, broke free and he, he should have had that goal right there. Uh, but look, if well, you're FC Dallas, I mean, does, does that change that much, bringing in Mauro Diaz in how you're going to play? Or well, I mean, I think it just I, seems like they don't know what they want to do almost. Well, I think the problem is with them is that when without Mauro Diaz, they're not a team that's going to combine passes to unlock a defense. They're a team that relies strictly on speed and counterattacking to get behind defenses. And if they don't have that, uh, then they don't have they just don't have the creativity and the, and the technical quality in the middle to, to, to put the passes together to beat you. Like, as an example, look at the Red Bulls. What the Red Bulls were able to do with their passing, uh, let's, let's look at that first goal, the Bradley Wright Phillips goal. You got Lloyd Sam to Henri, Henri the back heel, Louis Andula with the dummy, Bradley Wright Phillips scores. You don't see FC Dallas have those kind of sequences. FC Dallas goal sequences, yet yeah, generally are long ball Fabio Castillo, he runs by somebody, he yeah. scores. Or Fabian, you know, or Fabian Castillo might play a, com- make, play a pass to a Blas Perez, or we get a free kick. Uh, you know, those kind of things. We don't see those three, four, five pass combinations for a goal from FC Dallas. Now, when Mauro Diaz is on the field, you do you can see that because Mauro Diaz is that creative kind of player 
that can make the pass that unlocks the defense. And that's why he's so important to them. But again, Seattle with their midfield, they know this. You know, Siki Schmidt knows that. You know, Gonzalo Pineda will probably be back for them. They're going to probably take Gonzalo Pineda, who's their bulldog in the midfield. They're going to say, listen, Pineda, you lock down Mauro Diaz. Don't let him do anything. Uh, and if it's not him, it's Oswaldo Alonso who can do who can get the job done as well. And I think they'll they'll make sure Mauro Diaz is locked down. And then they'll let the rest of their attack go at FC Dallas's young defense that's going to be facing a, a, a really tough and intimidating environment. So uh, for me, it, it's tough to see FC Dallas coming through this. Uh, but again, much like the Columbus crew, I think FC Dallas needs to experience this as a group. Uh, it's year one of the Oscar Pereja project. And I think, look, Pereja's a great, great coach. He's going to have a lot of success in FC Dallas. But this is a first step. He got him into the playoffs, which was huge. Uh, they they won a playoff game. They won a knockout round game. That experience is huge. But they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to have their growing pains. And I think this experience will come in handy for them mm-hmm. next year and the year on beyond beyond that as they build their team and strengthen their team. But for right now, I just don't think they have the team to get it done. Well, outside of uh, Columbus, which at this point is is eliminated, Ivis. Uh, I mean, you have to assume that FC Dallas going to the second leg faces the toughest challenge out of all the rest of the teams. Well, it's only four, and you you four, you already two. you already wrote one off. So obviously, yeah, they, okay, yes, they have the second toughest challenge. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. And look, look I don't know. It, it it it. I'm not shocked. I don't, I don't think anyone should be shocked. FC Dallas had their chance, but mm-hmm. I don't know who had them really having a realistic chance in this series. I mean, I, I don't. I can't. I think if you look at if you looked at these four series coming in the 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 conference semifinals. They had to. They were the biggest long shot because even the Red Bulls against DC, as much as you know they've never beaten DC, you still thought, okay, they got Henri, they got Wright Phillips, they have a chance, they have a puncher's chance. I I, I think FC Dallas was the biggest long shot coming into this round. I mean, and for those for those who you know who who, who missed my piece breaking down the odds of this tour, of the playoffs, they were they were my second longest shot of all ten teams that were in the playoffs. I, I think I gave them a two percent chance. Uh, two or three percent chance uh, to advance, and but again, they're a young team. They got to go through this, and once they go through this, then the next step is uh, strengthen the positions that need strengthening. Uh, you know, go go maybe get some help on the uh, go get another winger, go get a central defender to partner with Matt Hedges, or have hopefully have Walker Zimmerman uh, get healthy and become the player. But they they need to upgrade. No doubt about it, and I think they have the, they have the the resources to do that. Uh, well, that match will be on Monday, the little Monday match at that's a late game for you guys, ten thirty p.m. Ivis. That's gonna actually be that's a late game on Monday on the East Coast. I didn't even realize it was a Monday game. Well, yeah, ten thirty at night that 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 is very late. That's it's uh, well, I mean, I guess it's a holiday, right? But that's it's that's rather odd. The Monday game. Hmm. Let me, it, it, yeah. let me check. Hold on. That that seems. I feel like that's wrong. Doesn't that seem? It's wrong? right. No, no, no. It's it's correct. You are correct. Wow. And that's. Uh, yeah, that's. I, I'm a little. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm. A, I'm a normal fan of them deciding for the Monday. Uh, for the. I guess that's. Well, it's good for me because I won't miss it because I'll be driving back from uh, from New England uh, that night. Uh, busy busy weekend for me. I'll be heading down to DC. On Friday, ahead of the uh, DC Red Bulls game Saturday, and then I'll be coming back home Saturday night, and then Sunday I'll be driving up to New England, and then coming back. And I guess I'll be able—I'll be home, and I'll be able to watch that game. Uh, yeah, dude, you're doing a lot of traveling. Like, well, a not, lot. Well, very not not re, not very recently, but the next few weeks are going to be. Yeah, crazy. Well, I'm, yeah, you have a lot of traveling. Kind. Uh, really quickly, uh, the reason why they're playing 
on Monday is because, you know, before, you know, Seattle fan, oh, but the Seahawks, the Seahawks play at home against the Giants on Sunday. That's why. Ah, uh, there we go. But still, 10.30 seems like an insane start, a late start. Well, it's 10.30 Eastern, so. That's true. I get, you know, I guess well, for Seattle, <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, and for, I'm sorry, 10, but for Seattle, actually, that's a 7.30 kickoff. See, that's what I'm saying, man, because Arizona, we don't, we don't go back or forward. It's, it's throwing me off. You need to move. You need to move from Arizona. <sighs> or Arizona, we need to figure out things because, yeah. Ivis, enough MLS playoff talk. Anything else we need to talk about before we move on? I, th- I think we got everything. No, I think the playoffs are, you know, they're, they're moving along. They're, there's some good matchups. The second legs are going to be fun. Um and I think we're going to look right now. The Red Bulls, you got to like their chances. Um, they're playing with some real confidence. Um, and as a veteran group, they don't have that stigma of the playoffs past of the club's playoff failures where whereas their fans, I'm sure. And, and me as someone who's I mean, I've been covering them all these years and have see I've had a front row seat to a lot of their playoff failures. Uh, it's easier for me and it's easier for a lot of these fans to look at these games and say, "Uh oh, we've seen this before. We've been here before. We know what usually happens here. But but a lot of these guys, uh, you know, they, they don't see it that way. And and for a lot of these veterans, I mean, someone like Hamison Olave, he's won an MLS Cup. He's had success in MLS before. So he has he has experiences to kind of fall back on. Bradley Wright Phillips uh, hasn't really been around that long. Uh, so he's not looking at these games in that way. Which So for that reason, man, I think the Red Bulls going down to RFK, and I never thought I would say this in my life, but I think the Red Bulls going down to RFK have to be feeling pretty good about their chances of advancing in the playoffs. And then obviously New England, you like their chances. I like LA's chances, even though I know a lot of people are jumping on RSL's bandwagon for, for, for this series. And Seattle, I think they're going to get the job done. Who is uh, Who's your lock to advance to the next round? Uh, I'm gonna say New England. I say okay, New England's okay. a lot. Minus New England. Who is your second? What? Player? There's four games. I love how, like this. What's the point? There's four. There's only four. So if you take one away, asking me who of the three I like is not a huge thing. But I'd say in order, I'm gonna go New England. Uh, actually, you know what? Hmm. Actually, I'm gonna go. Yeah, New England, Seattle, uh, New York, LA. I'd say LA of the four. Is the is the is 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 the is the furthest from a lock, but I still like them. I still like the chances. Uh, we're moving over to non-playoff related news. Uh, the Chicago Fire Ivis went out and hi- well, they didn't go out. They they kept him. They they hired Logan Paz as their vice president. Um, this is after he retired, ending uh, his his long career with the Chicago Fire. He'll be helping out with the club's academy teams and, and some other various things. And uh, I, I think this is great. I was to see guys who've been with organizations for so long to retire, and the organization keeps them and, and finds a place for him. I think it's I think it's outstanding. No, it's a big step, and and you're talking about a team who isn't hasn't really been known through the years for having the best uh, uh, leadership and the best ownership. Um, but you like to see that move from them to to give a guy. Uh, a, a bit to a loyal player, a player who's been such an important part of their club for so long, an opportunity. Um, and maybe things are picking up now in Chicago because, again, remember they were ready to put down the resources to go get Jermaine Jones. They they were ready to put their millions down to bring in Jermaine Jones. So maybe there's a kind of a newfound dedication there. Now it's up to Frank Gallup to get the job done on the field, and I think the clock's got to be ticking on him going into 2015. I know he's got a pretty good contract there. But his first year was by no means a success. It was pretty much a failure. Uh, he's got to go in there and have some success. And if he's if, if that team is struggling uh, and midway through next season, then you know what? I think there needs to be a change there. And 
if you have the fire, you got to start looking around and, and seeing what, what kind of change could be made. But for all intents and purposes, it looks like Yallop's going to be the guy going into 2015. And on the Americans abroad front, we talked about this on the last show, Aaron Johansson. Uh, he made out and made his uh, you know his debut for for Oz Ed. And same goes for Danny Williams. I was coming back from an injury. That's uh, I mean that's huge for Danny Williams. Uh, it's great to see both these guys back making appearances for their clubs, especially with that November call up right around the corner. Yeah, I think it'll be a little quick, quick of quick turnaround. I don't, I, I'm not sure if they're going to be, you know, if, if you're if you're Jurgen Klinsman and Danny Williams has just had a six month ordeal trying to get healthy and go oh, and going through the knee issues that he went through. Do you call him in so quickly after that? I think I, I think you, you let him be. I think you leave him be. Um, as far as Johansson, I think yeah, Johansson maybe you could bring him in, but I think it, what, what matters more is that they're back with their club teams and they can start working towards getting playing time because let's face it, Americans in Europe just aren't doing that well as a group and they haven't been. But now that you got Terrence Boyd is back, Danny Williams is back, Johansson is back, Alejandro Bedoya has come back from a shorter term injury. Um, y- you want to start seeing more of these guys back playing and getting regular games. Um, because that's the only, that's the only way that's one of the ways this U.S. team is gonna is gonna get better and be good uh, be in good form heading into the the summer's Gold Cup. You need as many players as possible playing regularly and playing in in, in top leagues. Um, obviously, the MLS guys are gonna be doing what they do, but it, it's only positive to see these guys back and to see a guy like Jeff Cameron starting and uh, beginning to uh, be a regular starter yep. again for Stoke City. That's huge as well. So. For you know, if anything, it's it's things are starting to pick up for Americans abroad. I'd say, uh, staying in England, as you just mentioned, Josie Atterter came off the bench in Sunderland's win, three one win, on uh, on Monday. He played about you know a little more than ten minutes. Uh, but I mean, Ivis, come on, he can't keep coming off the bench and getting minutes here. I mean, if that keeps happening, I mean, he he's gonna have to move on, right? Right. Well, I mean, the thing it's look, there are other forwards on that team. There are other guys who are playing well. It's a tough it's a tough spot for him. You know, it's not as if um, you know, they don't have other forwards. It's not as if they're playing, you know, they're choosing to play a 4 6 or 4 5 1 because he's there. I mean, you, they have what, Connor Wickham. Spain or something? Right. They're not. They're, but they have Connor Wickham. They have Ste- Stephen Fletcher. They have forwards uh, who are playing. But as I've said for, for a while now, the fact that he's still getting some minutes is a positive because it shows he's he's working hard in training does that mean he should stay there the full year i don't think i'm not saying that either i think he should still make a move to go somewhere and start uh but i'd say monday was positive because you know for those who didn't see the game he came into the match with the game tied um he didn't directly have a hand in either of the goals but you know he was very active he was he was putting pressure on defenders uh with the ball and and he was around he was around and involved and and they scored a minute after he came onto the field um and then the and the, then they scored an insurance goal. That was uh, when he came on. They scored the winner a minute after he came on, and then they scored an insurance goal in like the 90th, in like the third minute of stoppage time. And he kind of was involved in the early buildup of that by you know challenging for a ball, which led to a few sequences that that eventually led to the goal. But um, as long as he keeps getting some minutes, I mean, it's not a completely lost cause because it's not as if the guy's you know not even seeing the field. Okay. And if you weren't seeing the field, then you ask. Then, then I think there'd be some questions. And it's like, is he? Is he not even training well? Is, is he just? Is he mailing it in? Because that's that's when the real uncertainty creeps in. But when you want to talk about a team like Sunderland, who is fighting for 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 their lives in the Premier League, 
Gus, Gus Poyet is not putting someone on the field in important games like this if, if he doesn't believe in the player, if he's not confident in the player. And the fact that he can put in a Josie Altidore when the game is tied 1-1 um, tells me that Altidore's still doing well in training, still doing enough to, to keep himself in the picture. And that's all you can do in a situation like this, and, you, and maybe something changes. Stephen Fletcher's an older player. Maybe he gets hurt. Maybe they, you know, maybe something, you know, injuries happen as well. And that's when you have to step in there, take your opportunity. Um, Does that mean he should stay the full year? I'm not saying that either. But I think uh, people who look at his situation and say, oh, it's it's terrible. It's like it's is it ideal? No, but it's not nearly the same as being a player who doesn't dress or a player who doesn't see the field or like a Juan Agadello, a player who doesn't even have a team. So, you know, you want to see Altidore on the field. And I think come the spring or come January, uh, I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him. I think I could definitely see him going back to the Netherlands uh, to an Ajax or a PSV. But for right now, I think it's a positive sign that he's continuing to get his, to pl- make his way onto the field. Uh, he's made six appearances, Ivis. How many minutes do you think he's played in those appearances? Total? Yeah, total. 120. 81. Um, that's close. Just saying, if, if this trend continues to Zosie Atador, I mean, the writing's on the wall. He, he's going to have to move sooner rather than later. Well, it's going to be it, – it's it's ideally yes, but it's not a given because let's remember. True. Sunderland spent a lot of money for him, and it's going to take a, a legitimate offer to bring him in. Uh, so, you know, they're not going to give him away. And especially when you look at that, he is still playing. He is still someone that Poyet has enough confidence in to keep bringing off the bench. So they're not giving him away. Um, having said that, you'd like to think that, you know, with the track record that he had at, at, at um, AZ, scoring all the goals that he scored, that, that there's still some teams who will be willing to step up in January to bring him in. Uh, there is some positive news, Ivis, for Americans in Europe, though. Rubio Rubin had an outstanding game uh, in the Dutch League this past weekend, delivering an assist and drawing a penalty. He's making tons of appearances. Uh, I mean, Ivis, a, a glimmer of hope for the Americans in Europe. Yeah, he's po- it's a positive for him, obviously, that, that he continues to play uh, and, and is making things happen. I mean, that's a, you got, it's exciting for an 18-year-old player. Uh, in the Dutch league, that, that you, you love seeing that, and look, he's not the first American teenager to do that. Obviously, Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore, uh, both guys who've done that before, um, so that's good. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens there um, with Rubio Rubin. He's someone who I think for for the Gold Cup, he's on the kind of the radar, but it's going to take more than a few games for 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 him to kind of you know jump past all the forwards, especially now when you have Boyd and Johansson back. But when you think about uh, Things like the Olympics and, and that next youth group, that next age group, uh, you got to love seeing that. And in the world of the more you learn about it, the better it gets. Reports have come out that Chuck Blazer, Ivis, was an FBI informant. And this is on top of all the things he did as a member when he was leading CONCACAF. It's just like, it, it, Ivis, it's so good. It doesn't stop. And every piece that you learn more about him is just better and better. It's well, <laughs> I don't know, better and better, uh, more entertaining. Yeah, more entertaining. You're just and, like, and, like, it's like, what's next? Like, what, what is going to come out that's next that you just cannot believe? Well, it's just crazy all the stories about about him now. Um, every, you know, from the Trump Plaza apartment that he had for his for his cats, he had an apartment for his cats. Apparently, uh, it's just crazy stuff, man. And um, it, it's uh, <laughs> if there's a positive from all this, it's that 
maybe we will finally have some justice on the FIFA front, and maybe we'll start seeing some of the corruption be punished, uh, and hopefully some of the, the these investigations and some of these uh, uh, criminal proceedings will bear some fruit, and we'll start seeing some people pay the price uh for for really ruining the game and really cheating the game of 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 resources that the game itself has produced and uh it, it's just crazy you know all these years you know we watched Chuck Blazer and 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 here's the thing right and I know people will look at at, at Blazer and, and say how did this not come out sooner how did people not um you know report on this sooner how did people not out him as an, a super corrupt guy sooner you know what at the end of the day you got to have proof it's one thing to say, well, this guy looks like he's absolutely on the take, or this guy's robbing people, this guy's, you know, making millions. It's it, it's easy to say just looking at it on the surface, but unless you have the proof, you can't go out there and and uh, you know say what you want about people, uh, especially as as journalists. And and uh, I mean, I've never personally actually, I've never met Chuck Blazer. I've never, I, you know, I think I've seen him in person only a couple times, so it's almost like he's this myth, um, but. You saw things like his blog, right? I mean, <laughs> Dude, I'm looking at it right now. It is the, awesome. The fact that it's still up is amazing to me. I, th- I, th- I thought that would have got taken down by now. But anyone who ever saw the blog... <laughs> How you didn't look at that and say this is the most corrupt guy in the world? Um, he's just, dude. He's just, he's friends with these people, man. They're inviting him. I don't. Come on, man. He's hanging out. He's living the life. Look how much Listen, fun he's having. It, yeah, I say this. <laughs> if you, it, I put it to you like this: If you're traveling the world and you're on private jets and you're vacationing all over or all over the world and you're and you're and you're you know enjoying expensive restaurants and expensive vacations everywhere. You better have some taxes paid on file. You better not have zero uh, next to your name under paid taxes. Because guess what? The IRS, they will come get you. They will find you. Uh, Al Capone learned that. And many have learned that in the 80 years since Al Capone. I bring up Al Capone, obviously, because of Boardwalk Empire. So he's fresh on the brain. Uh, but yeah, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and uh, you know, for those who missed it, the day, obviously the Daily News had a, an investigative report uh, where they where they revealed the fact that Blazer had been informing for the FBI, basically the FBI, the IRS. They 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 pinned them down. They got them. They they're like, look, you're going to jail, so you can you can start to uh, uh, inf- be an informer for us. And he did it. He, he played along. And and for those who haven't read or don't know the, the latest on Blazer, he he has I believe he has colon cancer. He's gravely ill. You know, it's unclear how much time he has left or, or, or what. But obviously, he's at a point in his life where he he's he's ready to kind of come clean and ready to help. And um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with this. And then, you know, it's just crazy to think when you go back, you know, say 10 years and you had guys like Blazer and Jack Warner who, who were kind of just, you know, running, running things and, and making millions and, and, and everyone. And so many people um, kind of had had the sense that something wasn't right and uh i always remember the the journalist the british journalist andrew jennings and 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 he's the guy who for years and years and years has been writing about fifa corruption i'm talking years and he's been the guy um and credit to him because when back when you no one else would touch it he's a guy who devoted himself to it and 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 thankfully there was someone who could do that who could devote their time to this and this kind of investigative reporting and and it's funny because you know he used to uh, it was easy at one point to consider the guy a crackpot because he would just be just kind of revealing stuff that just made you major 
kind of head spin when when you'd read about the things that he would find it and it almost seemed it almost seemed like suit like fantasy land like the stuff that he would write about but now it, it's all come to light it's a lot of the stuff he's written about has been uh, completely on point was always on point and i've been i've said it on the show before um his book on fifa uh which came out back in 2010 was one, was for me one of the best books that i've ever written i've ever read uh related to the sport and i would recommend it uh, uh it the name was foul um it came out i believe in 2010 look it up andrew jennings great great book if you could still find it i don't even know if it's still publishing um but find it if you can um but it's crazy man it's crazy and and we'll see we'll see if sep Blatter is brought to justice we'll see if the other fifa people are brought yes. to justice we'll, and we'll see who else is dirty we'll see who else has dirt on their hands and who has money stashed away and who's gotten rich off the sport um because I'm sure they're not the only ones, but um, you know what? Hopefully, uh, better times are ahead, and 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 we can cut down on on this sort of rampant corruption. Yeah, I know. I yeah, it's uh, it, it just seems more and more bizarre. The more and more you, you that comes out, it just it just seems unbelievable. If you obviously uh, no, not obviously, but if you don't know much about Chuck Blazer, you know, obviously I suggest that you go read more about this guy. It's, it, I mean, it has movie written all over it. Also. His website, if you want to go look at it, it's Travels with Chuck Blazer and Friends. Just put that in Google. It is by far what? the funniest website ever. Well, here you go. For the, by the way, for those who, who who are curious, actually, this I get, did it come out in two thousand and six? Here we go. His website. The name of the, no, no, no. I'm talking about the book that I was. I was ah. just. The name of the book is Foul: The Secret World of FIFA, Bribes, Vote Rigging, and Ticket Scandals. By Andrew Jennings. Uh, actually, it looks like it came out in 06. Man, the World Cups fly by. I, all I remember was it? Was it? Wow. I, all I remember is when I was leaving. You know what? It was Germany. Man, time flies. I remember leaving the Germany World Cup uh, and I'm walking through the, the airport mm-hmm. and I see this book and it is piled. There's stacks and stacks of this book. And I'm thinking to myself, and I had already started, and I had already read it while I was in Germany. And I was thinking, man, when people read this book, all these guys are going to jail, right? If this stuff, I mean, this stuff's true. All these guys are going to jail. Uh, and of course they didn't at the time. And here we are eight years later and, and I don't, I don't know any of them are in jail. Uh, but hopefully now the justice will be done and, and, and the, the corrupt, the most corrupt people in the sport will be rooted out. You can find that book on Amazon, by the way. Yes. I'm looking at it. You type it in. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you can buy it used cause I think it's out of print. Uh, I have a copy somewhere. Uh, I can't. I won't give it away. Right, wow, Andrew Maybe. Jennings has a Wikipedia page that that is big time right now too. Well, he's really been the guy. You know, he's been the guy on this topic for years. I'm talking years. I mean, the guy. Uh, you know, he did TV reports on it. Um, he 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 was ahead of the curve. And and all credit to the guy. All credit to him. Uh, I've brought. I've mentioned him in the past on the show. Um, and and I, I'll be the first to say there was a time years ago. I mean, I'm talking. Ten years back, when I when 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 you know I would read stuff and and he used to send out emails. He used to send out emails uh, with kind of his reporting that would link to you know he had a website uh, for his for his investigative work and 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 it was so like outrageous that it just seemed fake. It just seemed like where, where, what is this stuff you know? And you'd read it and you'd be like you know what if this this is if this is true this is unbelievable. But then how do you prove it right? Like it, as me. You know, an American journalist covering the sport here, uh, and so and you and you see this stuff, and you can look at it and think, "Wow, this is amazing work. This is amazing work by this guy." Um, but how do we pay, how, how do we find this same stuff? And and 
it's it's you know I I I give I I give him a every time I think about it I'm like this guy, I mean he deserves an award yeah he deserves an award he deserves an award for being the guy who you know kept shining the light on on something that that no one else could and no one else did and a lot of people were afraid to. Um, he's he's actually investigated a lot of different stuff not just soccer too interesting guy some people are just good at that man it's amazing how some people could just find out information out of nothing well. Well, here's the thing, and I, I don't I don't think people realize this enough when they think about what you know our profession and and, and journalism and that thing. Like investigative reporting is very uh, you have to be very committed to it. You have to have the time and the resources for it, and and it's not something you can just do along with other things. Like if if you're gonna be like the, to be a legitimately good investigative reporter, you that has to be it. That has to be your job. Your job is to investigate, dig deep, and focus on 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 specific issues that uh, are require a lot of time and resources and energy. And you know, it, it's 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 there's a reason that there's not a lot of it out there because you you have you have to you have, first you have to have outlets that 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 see the value in it and see the value in 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 and devoting resources to an investigation that can take months and months uh, and, and produce one story. And, and, in, and, and in this day and age, who has, you know, that it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to find, to find outlets that, that can do that. And obviously credit to the Daily News with their piece on, uh, on Chuck Blazer. But even that, I mean, that and that, that, seemed, that was like a look like at least there were four people with the byline on that. So you're talking four or five people uh, uh, being committed to that kind of story. So that, that's the kind of resources it takes and it's great when it's done when it's done well it's excellent it's the it's the it's the best it's some of the absolute best work that our pressure our profession can produce uh but i think people need to realize that it's not as simple as hey look into that oh okay i'll look into that meanwhile we're you know we have me personally i have my own 50 million things i have to do and i would love to be an investigator i would love to take a year or two and just be an investigative reporter i love to do that but obviously, I already have my plate full with a lot of different things. But credit to the people who still do that and who do that. And Andrew Jennings in the sport of soccer is unmatched when it comes to investigative reporting. Uh, what would you investigate or report? Secret, secret underground world of hip hop in New York? Well, I would do so. I would do something on soccer. You know, I, I would. Uh, I would probably. I, I would. You know what? I would spend some time really digging into the player, the player development system in this country, and and. How, how much um what's the word how much racism there is or if there is racism and how how what the obstacles are uh for for minorities in this sport in this country and you know i think there's uh as much as we want to think that there's there's been progress made through the years i think there's still some of that left there's still some maybe there's still some racism there's still some obstacles that don't need to be there um and, and it'd be interesting to report on the obstacles that that you know, when you think about um, Latin American immigrants in this country uh, trying to get through the soccer development system, because there's so much talent in this country uh, that that gets overlooked, and 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 you have to ask yourself how much of that is just uh, incompetence, and how much of that is outright, you know, prejudices by people. And so, you know, that's interesting stuff. That's something to think about. But I, I don't. Who has the time? I, if I had the time, I would write a book about something. I, I would love to write a book. But I hopefully, you know, knock on wood, I'm around in a couple of years and I can maybe 10 years from now, I'll be able to sit down and devote some time um, and write a nice book about something. Yeah, dude, that's when we're doing that will happen when you and I are doing this show 
you know, in, in New York, you know, two hours a day, you know, and then we got free time to do whatever we want in the afternoon because this will be a morning show, of course. So, well, I'll tell you what, that could could happen next week when the SBI show can, can pay my bills and SBI should be my one job. Then yes, I will absolutely write a book. I will definitely write a book. You can book that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No pun intended. But uh, yeah, no, that's I, horrible. <laughs> I didn't even mean that. I didn't mean that like that. <laughs> I know you didn't. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, all right. I was, we need to move on. Let's talk some European soccer. Manchester City defeated Manchester United. Uh, a little controversial calling non-calls in this match. I mean, hey, you think Major League Soccer officiating is pretty bad. You should, you should have definitely seen this match. There were a few things that did not go Manchester City's way, but they still won. One to zero and added to the misery of Manchester United. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, look, City City was a better team. It's unfortunate that Chris Malling ruined a game that was so good that started out so well, and we'll never know how this game goes if not for that red card. But credit to City, they got the goal. There were definitely some calls that should have gone their way that didn't. Um, and obviously, in some of those, it's a real bang bang play. And some of them, I thought not. I didn't, I didn't think all of them. Much like the RSL game, it's always funny how whether it's the home fans or just people watching, like at a certain point you get every single play that's kind of a toss-up. You convince yourself it was missed or it should have been called, but a lot of these plays happen. A lot of these plays that are quick bang-bang plays um, get missed. And um, out of I think for the Man, in the Man City game, I think, yes, there were one or two that you look at it and you're like, man, how did, how did that get missed? How did he miss it? Uh, but credit to City. They got the job done. Man United, as much as them losing again was big, was not, they, they can't like that. They're, they're off to their worst start in uh, 30, almost 30 years. Uh, but I think there were some bright spots for Man United in this game. I thought they had some guys who really stepped up. I thought Fellaini is playing really well. I thought Luke Shaw was outstanding for them. I thought the kid Wilson, the forward for them, the young forward, the, that kid's got something. The kid's, he's got pace. Which you know they they need some speed. They need a forward with some speed. I thought Wayne Rooney was everywhere. I thought he gave his all, and and I thought there was that play toward the end he where he should have taken that shot. He should have taken, but he that move, shot but, it. What was he doing? But the move to just the dribble, and then he then he nutmegs company. I mean, Rooney is still a baller, folks. I mean, if, for those who ever think he's overrated and think oh because he's British he gets more credit than he deserves, no, folks, the guy can ball. The guy can flat out play. Um, but you know what? There, I think there's some positives there. I thought I thought uh, uh, was it Carrick that came in in central in central defense. I thought he played pretty well. Um, played in center central defense. Uh, De Gea obviously played well. I think as much as this loss hurts for them, I think this this is, and losing Rojo, I was obviously it's huge for them. I mean, he's out for three months. I think now with a separated shoulder, so that's going to be tough for them. But going forward, I think this. I think this Man U team is going to be okay. I think they're going to finish in the top four, and 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 maybe that seems far fetched, but I really think the quality that they have, uh, and now with having some of these younger guys step up, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be a top four team. Uh, Bayern Munich defeated Borussia Dortmund two to one. Robin had a penalty late in the match to steal to seal the victory. Uh, Dortmund, Ivis, man, dude, it just continues to get worse and worse for them. Right, and uh, and then for those who missed the game. They were Dortmund was winning the game they, until late. Uh, I think the, they gave up the equalizer in like the 76th. And then obviously the penalty came with like four or five minutes left in the game. And for those who missed it, Nevin Subotic, every American fan, fan's favorite uh, former U.S. youth national team player, uh, was called for the penalty uh, that that led to the winner. It was it was a clear penalty. He, he dragged down um, 
Ribery, I believe. Um, so that that was big. Now here's the thing, Dortmund, they're they're they. I think it was that five in a row. I think they've lost five in a row. Um, so now there's questions about about his job, and I gotta say this, that's insane. I'm sorry. I know they're struggling. I know they're in a bad way right now. I know they're they're in, in a run of 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 form that few could have imagined them being in. But are we seriously talking about 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 him, Jurgen Klopp? His job being in and like if listen, if Dortmund fires Jurgen Klopp, the line will be pretty damn long to hire Jurgen Klopp. Like I, I, I mean, I don't know. I just think it's insane. I think it's insanity. Insanity. The guy's the top manager. They're obviously they've had their injuries. They've had a rough spell. They're they're having a rough time right now. But if they lose faith in him, I mean that's just shocking. And and I don't think that's gonna happen. I think that's a lot of. I think that spin. Uh, I think German media is definitely stirring that up, and and you definitely have your elements in the media, in the German media, who are pretty pro Bayern Munich, and you know if they see their chance to kind of topple a a club who's been kind of the one club that could kind of challenge them, uh, then you do it. So you know you kind of wonder about ulterior motives on that front. But look, Jurgen Klopp should not go anywhere, folks. They'll be fine. Uh, let, let him have his time. Let them get healthy. And Dortmund, I think, will be fine. And they play. I thought they played okay in that game. I thought they gave. Bayern, all they can handle in that game. So I think people need to take it easy. Anyone suggesting Klopp should be fired. Uh, Dortmund is winless in their last seven matches. And yes, they are on a five-game losing streak. And with that, we have covered everything that was on the list. If it was soccer news and came out these past couple of days, and I was I didn't talk about it, it wasn't big enough news. So that was pretty, well, pretty, pretty good rap, Ivis. Well, yeah, I mean, we touched on a couple of different things. Uh, we should point out the NASL regular season has come to an end. Uh, they they have uh, closed out their campaign. And uh, the, now we know who the four playoff participants in the NASL playoffs will be. And it is the San Antonio Scorpions, New York Cosmos, Minnesota United, and Fort, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Uh, they were able to jump in there get ahead of the Carolina uh, Railhawks, and now we have the four-team playoffs. They're set. Uh, they kick off next weekend, so so definitely uh, you know, keep an eye out for that if you, if you can. I think uh, you know the Cosmos, obviously, with the, their news about Raul, uh, there's, there's a lot of buzz now with the Cosmos getting in there. Obviously, you have Minnesota United with Miguel Ibarra, uh, Christian Ramirez. You have Fort Lauderdale with their new owners, and then you have San Antonio. Uh, and there's new talk about San Antonio uh, pushing for an MLS team. Um, you want to keep your eye out, I think, if you can watch it. I think, and look, NASL, there's some good soccer there. And, and I don't, yeah. I think it's uh, obviously we all have so much soccer to watch as it is that it's easy, it's tough to, to find room for NASL. But you know what? When you get the playoffs, when you get what playoffs are involved, you kind of want to try to find a time or find a way to watch some playoff soccer. So I think anyone who, you know, I, I think they're. I think maybe you can just watch on on the league website. I got, I'm not clear about that, but if you can, keep an eye out for that. Because I, I tell you what, for me, I, San Antonio obviously, you know, they'll be favored against the Cosmos. But let's just say the Cosmos beat San Antonio. Minnesota beats Fort Lauderdale. You get Minnesota. You get uh, Miguel Ibarra, Christian Ramirez, going up against NYCFC with their, you know, uh, you know, obviously Marco Senna, Danny Zatella. Uh, the players that they have there, um, that'd be pretty good for the league. Pretty high profile, but not to take anything away from San Antonio, they deserve credit as well. Uh, you can watch both matches, Ivis, on your web- on their website, as you said, nesl.com, uh, to check out those matches, and those matches kick off on Saturday. 
day. Uh, with that, I was—I mean, anything else we need to talk about? I, I can't think of anything else that is that's burning right well, now. Well, there's college soccer. I mean, we're not going to get into specifics, but college soccer, uh, the conference tournament play kicks off next weekend. And obviously, that's always a fun time, uh, fun time of year. Um, there's not, I think we, we see more college soccer televised now than ever before. It's still not as much as it should be or as we'd like it to be, but uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. You want to see who the next prospects, up and coming prospects are. Uh, I'll start now in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I will drop the first SBI um, MLS draft big board. I know everybody waits for it, uh, especially MLS GMs because they, uh, they, they have to see who they have to be looking at. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just keeping it real. But, uh, but yeah, no, keep an eye out for that. We'll, uh, you know, it, there, there's a lot of talent. It, the, the draft, I would say this, the draft, and I've said it before, the, the, the talent in the draft, top-end talent, has, has gone down year by year as, as you're seeing elite players, elite young players go to Europe or sign with MLS academies or, or they're brought up through the MLS academy ranks. But there's still plenty of talent, uh, and this year's no different. I think there's, there's going to be some quality in this upcoming draft. So uh, keep an eye out for that and keep an eye out for the conference tournaments, you know, ACC, big 10, pack 10, pack 12 doesn't have a tournament, but if you can watch some, uh, some big 10 and you can watch some ACC, uh, there's some quality talent in both those conference tournaments. Who's a, who's the best player right now? Do you want to give it, do you want to give it away? Uh, Best player. Uh, Well, I mean, I haven't even put my top forty together, but when I did the, I did I did a draft prospects list uh, to kick off the college season, and I believe I had Kyle Aaron as a top rated top rated prospect, and I think he's still the guy. I think he's still uh, the number one pro prospect in the college ranks. I think Joseph Yarrow, the the George the, the speedy Georgetown central defender, is a guy who's, who's who's you know picking up a lot of steam. I mean, he was already one of the highest rated guys, but there were questions about whether he'd come out or not. Uh, you know, is he going to stay in school? And there, there, there seemed at the time, at the beginning of the season, there seemed to be a lot of thought that he would stay in school. Um, but if enough teams make noise about wanting him in the draft, maybe the league can make the the, the big enough offer uh, to get him to come out. But he's a guy, no doubt about it, one of the top guys. Leo Stoll's obviously at, for UCLA, someone to watch as well. Although it's not a guarantee he'll sign with MLS. Um, so he, Christian Roldan, the the playmaker at University of Washington. He's another top guy to watch. I think those are all uh, among the very best guys. Um, and then you have a guy like Omar Holness at North Carolina, who for me, I just like not, not to take anything away from the guy, but I think he's really raw. I, I really don't like I, for me, I think he's a long term project, but there's a lot of buzz for him because he's got blazing speed. He's an unbelievable athlete. Uh, and I'm, I, I and I think MLS and MLS scouts see him as somebody with a ton of potential. Uh, but for me, I think he's really raw. I think there's a lot of better. I think there's a lot better pro prospects than him uh, available. Um, but he's someone who's getting a lot of buzz for G- Generation Adidas as well. Uh, but that's just some of the names. I'm not going to rattle off every, every all of them. But that's just some. There's no new ones there. All those guys were were in my early season, my preseason uh, prospects list. But keep an eye out. I'll have my big board out pretty soon. I'm looking forward to it. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed college soccer since we started doing the show. I paid more attention to it, man. I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, man, and it's good. I mean, I think that uh, it, it, one thing that's interesting about the college game, and I know everyone kills the college game for not being better and for not being a better developer of talent, but it, it is interesting how much more parity there is now than ever before. And and I think a big part of that is because you have more 
more talent is going into the college game uh, than ever before um, from the standpoint of it, – it's interesting because college soccer is not getting as much high-end talent, as much of the very, very best youth prospects because more and more of them are either – uh, coming into the coming straight into the pro ranks, whether it's over in Europe or, or Mexico or MLS via the academies, but uh, from the uh, the top end talent, not as much as coming into into the college game. However, there is much more uh, talent that's that kind of mid range talent that is that are the kind of players who can and be developed into pro prospects. There's a lot more of that kind of talent coming into the league. Uh, coming into college soccer because of the Del- development academy and improving the, the improving youth soccer setup. Um, obviously, I think youth soccer in America uh, still has obviously a lot of flaws and a, and a lot of things that needs to do better. But I do think with the, the development academy uh, system, it, it's it's exposing more players to a better setup, and because of that, there are more players who are at a higher level once they get to college. So I think from that standpoint. Now you're seeing more and more teams in the college game have quality players than in the past, where in the past it was like ACC was stacked. ACC had all the top talent or the Big East had a lot of the talent. Uh, but now you go across the board, there's there's talent all over. So uh, it's good to see. It's good to see. It is also crazy, though, how the college season is ending in the next week or two. Well, that's insane, it's man. so that's, fast. It's it's not long enough. And, and I know obviously there's talk about – Having it run over over the fall and the spring, which is great if you're gonna play twice as many matches. But if you're just gonna take the same number of matches and spread it out over over a full year, I think that's pretty dumb, personally. Um, but it's it's it'll be fun. I think it, uh, the conference tournament time is always fun. Uh, the conference finals, whether it's the ACC, the Big Ten, uh, even I think the Atlantic Ten might be televised as well. Uh, keep an eye out for those because that those will be uh, those will be fun to watch. And I think actually. Uh, if the timing breaks out correctly, I think the conference finals are going to be being played uh, the weekend of the international break. So you know what? If you're if you're starving for soccer to watch, and uh, you know there's not going to be an MLS playoffs, they're going to be on the break, and, and they're not going to be in the, there's not going to be any European club soccer to watch. Maybe it's time for those of you who haven't watched any college soccer yet this year, you'll have your chance. Not next weekend, but the weekend after next. Yes, two weekends away. That's a lot yes, of math. Sir. That's a lot of math there, Ivis. It's it's all a blur, man. I, I, I'm, it's going to be a crazy next week for me. So that's why I'm like I'm 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 already kind of planning ahead. Um, I'm off to DC on Friday. I'm off to New England on Sunday, and then I'm off to Old England on uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday night, uh, I'm I'm flying over to to London for the USA Columbia match, and and then after that, I'm off to Dublin for uh, for the USA Ireland match. So that that should be a good one. Uh, as, I'm as giving well. you a 99.9% chance that you will not be packed by Thursday night. By the time we do the show on Thursday night, um, for pack for what? Pack for your trip. Well, well, Thursday it's only. Uh, I mean, I'm only be packing for a one day, uh, two day trip. I guess to you're DC. right. That is a good point. I'm, yeah, I'm that's. Trying not... to, I'm trying to think that. No, if I was doing all that and have one piece of luggage, I think I would be packed by Thursday. Really, so. you're pretty slow on that. You do, procra- be, you do procrastinate. I know, I, I know, I know. We'll see. I'm looking forward to DC. I love DC. Every time I go, uh, just book my hotel. I'll be hitting up Nando's. Uh, so now, I, I, for for those who who listened to the last show, uh, I'm on a vegan. I'm on a vegan diet right now. Uh, it's a 10 day vegan kind of cleanse diet, whatever. I have I've had only fruits and vegetables for eight days now, 
Uh, it's been pretty good. I gotta say, I've uh, I've actually between that and the gym, I've 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 recommitted myself to going to the gym. I've actually lost 14 pounds in two weeks. Been pretty good. Uh, I have another hundred to lose, but it, it's a good start. And uh, but I tell you what, I come off of this uh, vegan short vegan diet on Thursday, and then I'm off to to DC, and I will be hitting up Nando's. And what better way to 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 end a a a ten day run of no meat than going to Nando's? Are you benching at the gym right now? I'm going to the gym right after this. Actually, I'm doing. Where are I'm you going. benching? Like how, how much are you benching right now? Why are we getting into specifics? Come on, I don't, I'm just curious, Ivis. I, mean, I bench I, more I than you, I bench more than you weigh. Let's, and I know that's not saying a lot because you weigh like eighty pounds. But uh, I probably pay, I, I bench probably at least twice what you weigh. Maybe yeah, probably twice to three times what you weigh. But I just started getting back into it. Twice Give me about, is what I weigh. I mean, then I, I mean that'd be one hundred eighty pounds. That, that's true. That's not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Give me, give me a, give me, a, give me about a month or two. Give me two months, right. and then we'll start talking about weight. How much do you think I could bench? Um, one, mm, wow. one thirty-five. One thirty-five. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god! Are you kidding me? I could probably barely do a hundred. Oh my god! I'm serious. Well, I would struggle. <laughs> it's all about, but you know what? Endurance is probably your strength. Yeah, I, I, I actually, do, I take I do, that back. I do run. I That's run, not what you said. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I think I might do a half marathon in January. Something up in my running lately. Wow! There you go. Yeah, you can run to L.A. for MLS. Uh, you can run to uh, L.A. if once MLS host L.A. is hosting MLS Cup in December. You can, I can uh, just you drive can... out there. It's a six-hour drive, man. Come on. That's, I know. That, that's like that's like I'm down kidding. that's like it, down the road for me. It's it's funny you mentioned the whole marathon thing because uh, Chris Rock was on uh, Saturday Night Live and he had a pretty funny line where he said uh, when he was talking about marathon it's, and he's like he's like. 26 miles. That's a long drive. <laughs> it's like, so that was pretty funny. But uh, no, you know what? It's it's good, man. It's good. Got to get in shape because you know what? We're gonna have the SBI show on TV one day, and uh, I gotta get I gotta get in shape for that. So, well, it's all about the face, man. If you don't have the face or the hair, then then I mean that's bad luck already. Well, I'm losing my hair, but the you know I think the face once I drop about 100 pounds, I think my face will be good to go. Well, don't worry, I'll be the face and the hair. I, I can carry that. I mean, it's they, gonna be difficult, but well, I'll, 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 you bring the face and hair. I'll bring the actual knowledge and the voice because we know my voice is better than yours, dude. It's as, we, <laughs> as, as look on TV, Ivis. It doesn't matter who's more intelligent. All that matters is who's better looking. You pay attention to the better looking person. So just you know, I mean, no offense, <laughs> Ivis. I mean, I'm pretty good looking. I'm better looking you than are. you. So I'll come yeah, off as I, the I'll expert, you and you're gonna be like just some guy. They'll be like, who is? What does this guy know? <laughs> if only I'm sh- there are a lot of people thinking if only that were true. If only that were true. It is true. I mean, you know, look at local news. They just get good-looking people on TV. I mean, come on. Yeah, but I think people see local news for what it is. So <laughs> I don't think you want to limit yourself. Come right. on, man, give yourself more credit. You, you, you got more. You're not just a pretty face, right? Come on, you, you actually know. know something about the sport, or do you? I don't know. I don't know. Do uh, I know. It's what debatable. A, I know it's what debatable. a four-four-two is. I mean. <laughs> it's a de- I, I coached my Divas team to, to two championships in three years. I mean, that has to count for something. <laughs> I'd love. To, uh, we got to see the. Tr- we have. We have to. We have to see the locker room footage of your of your coaching of your management skills. It's pretty good. All right, you play here. Chalkboard. You play here. No, Garrett cleverly chalkboard. There's, there's no discussion. What I say goes because everyone will complain. The problem is I chose our name Divas as a joke, but the problem is everyone on the team is actually a diva. It's annoying. Well, if you're on the team, that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And then when we bitch, <laughs> people on the other team be like, no, I know why they're called the Divas. It's like, all right. There you go. 
<laughs> struggles of adulting soccer. Ma- hashtag co- manager problem. It's d- it's difficult, man. I mean, dealing with the egos and the playing right. time. I understand now. Settle I, down. I, I get it. Settle down, Mourinho. Settle down. I'm just letting you know, Ivis. I just nobody I, cares. I understand. No, nobody cares. Yeah, you do care. All right. I could, get, right. I could well, get called up. You, you, you don't know. Yeah, you, you're you're in the you're in the 25th division, 25th level of American <laughs> soccer. Settle down. But uh, but yeah, man, it's a it's a good week. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be back on Thursday and uh, get uh, man, we got to get some guests, man. We got to stop recording at three three thirty in the morning. It's tough with our, our, our schedules. Our schedules are tough, man. It's your schedule. Your schedule is the problem. I know. My schedule is pretty bad. <laughs> there you go. I'll admit. I'll admit. It's, we'll it's... figure it out. We'll figure it out. You know what? We could call a European play, a bass player right now, and they'd be wide awake. It's only like it's probably like 8.30 in England right now. Maybe we'll start doing that. We can start getting the, the European guys, since they're the only ones awake. Are there any Are there any in England? Oh, oh come oh. on. There's, it's, yeah. it's a little ball. That's a yellow card. It's a burn. Yellow card. That was that was a come good burn. That was a good burn, actually. What are you, what are you Jürgen Klinsmann? Come on. Stop it. <laughs> Well, I would say in a German accent, but I can't do that. You're the accent. You bring the voiceover, you bring the voiceover talent to the show. I, I bring the impressions. I bring. Yeah, you bring. Yeah, you have a good Henri, and you have a good uh, Jurgen. Okay, <laughs> Don Galba. Don Galba <laughs> totally took my co- comments out of, out of context. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll stop. I'll I stop. I, I love it. I need. I need to practice my Jurgen. I haven't. I haven't you know what? I, when I come back from uh, when I come back from the UK and I've had a little more time with Jurgen again, I'll uh, I'll get the I'll get the accent going. I'll nice. get the the impressions. Nice. There you go. I like it. Uh, all right, Ivis, I'm gonna let you go, man. It's crazy late for you. Crazy late for me. And uh, I mean, we talked about a variety of things, and uh, it's time for us to wrap up the show. And uh, and and you have a good week, man. You too, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Ivis and I will be back again later this week. We'll be previewing. Major League Soccer's second leg of the semifinal round of the playoffs. For Ivis Glarsep, I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBS Show.